Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Well, as you know... um We've been in a series called On Earth As It Is in Heaven, and today is our last segment of this series as we've been looking at kind of five different parts that the Lord's Prayer found in the book of Matthew uh, teaches us as, as Jesus was approached by his disciples with the, the desire to learn how to pray. And so the disciples approach him and go, Master, teach us how to, how to pray. We, we want to know how to approach the Father the way that you do. And so he breaks out this beautiful, um, not formulaic, but reverent approach to God the Father. And we talked about how there's five different S's that we've looked at, right? We've talked about stillness. We've talked about submission. We've talked about supplication. Last week, we talked about surrender. And this week, we're going to wrap it up by learning how to stand firm. Let me remind you of a few things that we just have continuously declared over and over and over again in this series. And I hope that maybe your mind might be getting tired of hearing it, but I hope your spirit's not tired of hearing these truths. That is this, that a, that a praying church is a what? Wow, it's almost as if you've been here for the last six weeks. I said a praying church is a what? A powerful church. Come on, the second thing we've been talking about is that praying people are powerful people. This is, this is a belief that we not only have because of just ethereal things, but it is rooted in the word of God that apart from Jesus, we can do no good thing, right? That if we just rely on our own strength, we're going to fall flat on our face. Come on, somebody. But there is something beautiful and powerful when a people tap into the powerful presence of God. And we do that through prayer. Uh, in addition to this, we've learned that apart from God's presence and power, we will live a limited life. We're going to be at risk and liable to lean on our own understanding. And my friend, we don't want to do that. Prayer is also not about getting God to do what we want, but it is getting a revelation of his desire for us. I'm going to say that once again, and it's magically going to appear on the screen. Prayer is not getting God to do what I want. It's getting a revelation for his desire for me. The other thing I want to remind you of is this, is that everything that you do for God is connected to what you do through God and with God. And lastly, every great act and miracle will be connected to the power of prayer. So would you open up your Bibles today? Today we're going to move away from uh, Matthew. We've, we've read that a lot over the last few weeks. I, I hope at this point you've got it memorized, right? If you don't, I'm going to encourage you to go home and continue to memorize our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is not just a repetitive thing. In fact, Jesus couches it with, hey, don't just repeat this for the sake of repetition, but know and understand that there is power in the relationship that, that, that this approach to God creates. And so today we're going to move away from that. We're going to look at the book of Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 10 through 20. And it says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Say with me, his might. His might. Just right off the bat, I just want to point that out. Notice how... Already, Paul, by the way, is tying this back to what we read and we read last week in Proverbs. Don't lean on your own understanding, your own strength, right? This, by the way, Ephesians, what we're about to read right now is not about gut it up and be strong. In fact, we live in a culture and a society that almost like glorifies strong people. And I'm not saying don't work to be stronger, don't, don't learn to have a strong mind and a, and a strong body. I'm not saying that, but, but the, the Bible and the kingdom of God teaches us that real strength, lasting strength, doesn't come from what I can push in the gym or what I've trained my mind to do. It has everything. 
everything to do with what my spirit taps into. And so Paul goes, finally, be strong. He's not saying, hey, gut it up and just, no, no. Be strong, what? In the Lord and his strength and his power. Man, just that line itself, I could preach all day long to you. But I can't. So let's continue. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, I want to pause here as well. I know we are far too smart to believe that there is this enemy after our souls. I know that the deconstruction of theology has now caused all of us to question whether or not there is. But I just want you to like kind of wake up and look outside and smell the coffee and realize there is an enemy and he's after your soul. And I'm so glad you believe that, because if you are unaware of that, I hope today that you become aware of that so that you are not fooled into thinking that you can just live unprotected. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. And some of you thought the Bible was boring reading against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Say with me, in all circumstances. In all circumstances. Come on, even when your arms are too weak. Come on, even when things look dark. Even when you don't feel like it. In all circumstances, we take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And like a good leader who also thinks about himself, the Apostle Paul goes, hey, but also don't forget about me. He goes, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. Father, right now, we want to thank you for your word. Uh, We don't want to take this moment for granted that we get to freely open up your word and learn from it. My prayer now, God, is that for every person in this room, no matter where they find themselves today on their journey of life and on their journey of faith, I pray, God, that you would speak to every heart individually, that you would give us listening ears, that you would give us um, a humility to be molded by you. And most importantly, God, I pray that today uh, these would not be Tony's words, but Lord, that your spirit would speak through me, Lord, and that it would fall on good soil so that we would bear good fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, how many of you guys remember from the early 90s, this toy, I believe it was called Bozo the Clown? Y'all remember Bozo the Clown? Uh, Some of you young people are looking at me like, I... You look like a bozo. I have no idea what you're saying to me. So let me help you out. Bozo the Clown, there's a video here that we're going to show you. This, remember Bozo the Clown? You, you would punch him, and you would never be able to knock him down. Remember that? And he'd come back up. You'd punch him. Anybody? Uh, am I talking to anybody here today? And so I, I'll never forget. I, I was born and raised, well, partly raised in, in Brazil. And so we got the knockoff Bozo the Clown, right? He, he was a little darker skin than that, and he didn't have red hair, I'll tell you that right now. Um, yeah, a little bit of an afro, but anyway, uh, I, I remember I begged for it for one of my birthdays, and for my seventh birthday, I got Bozo the Clown, you know? And so, he, it, just, it was a knockoff, you guys, a South American version of Bozo the Clown. I remember just giving it my all, you know, all 20 pounds of me, just trying to give it my best. You're going, you weigh 20 pounds at seven years? Don't mock me, okay? I was scrawny, okay? And so I used to punch it the best of my ability, and that thing just wouldn't keep, it wouldn't stop coming up. It just wouldn't stay down. And 
And I realized very quickly that, that, that there was something that helped it not stay down. And my dad explained to me, uh, my dad kind of has an engineering mind, and he kind of reverse engineered this whole Bose of the Clown for me. Because I'm like, how is it that just blowing into this thing, just air, like how, why can't I knock it down? And, and then he flips it upside down and shows me that it was weighted on the bottom. You ever notice that? That it, it either had sand on the bottom or it had something that weighed it down on the bottom. Here's my goal as your pastor, is that you would have substance underneath the surface so that when the wind and the waves and the things and the darts of the enemy and the things that come at you in life would not keep you down, but that you would grow deep roots and that you would have substance that would weigh you on the bottom so that whatever hit comes, you're always ready to spring back up. Come on. My heart for you is that, and I've said this before, I want to say it again. I want to say it slower because I realize I get passionate and excited about things and I say it really fast and some of y'all miss it. So I'm going to say it for you scholarly folk in a scholarly voice. That my heart for you is not that you would have a fickle, fragile, or fleeting kind of faith, but that you would have a deeply rooted, fervent, strong, perseverant, and hear me on this, ready to stand and battle kind of a faith. Uh, I know it's not super noticeable yet, but I'm going to keep working at it, but I, I, I've been committed over the last uh, almost four years now off and on but really for the last two years very like disciplined about making sure that I I work out five to six times a week I know it's not very noticeable yet but we're gonna they say consistency is key I'm just gonna bank on that okay and uh, we're gonna get rid of this double chin here pretty soon but I was able to button the top button of my of my collar today so that's that's really nice Um, and, and one of one of the, the kind of trainers that, that I follow some of his programs, he talks about how uh, weak legs equals weak minds. You know, and, and you know these like, you, you know these like workout guys that are like, you know, ripped and they're like shoving raw liver down their throat and going, if you do this and follow my program, you too can look like this, right? And so I don't always buy into everything, but I, I was thinking about this idea of weak legs equals e- weak minds, and I'm like. I know that's not Bible, but just track with me on this. I I think that the way I would say it is a weak foundation means a weak life. And in my heart, as your pastors, I want you to have a strong foundation so that you can have a strong life. And so that when inevitably the wind and the waves, whether you cause the wind and the waves sometimes, come on, or whether it's life that causes them, that you wouldn't find yourself destroyed flat on your face, but you'd, you'd have something that actually can withstand the weight of life. And so when it comes to this idea of, of, of prayer and the practice and discipline of prayer, I believe it all leads up to training us, hear me on this, so that we might be ready to stand firm at all times. The first question I want us to answer today, though, is this, is what do we stand firm on? If we're going to talk about standing firm, we got to know what we're standing firm on. And Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 11 says this. Finally, I'll repeat it to you again. Be strong in the Lord and in His strength and His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. What do we stand firm on? His power. His His might. His armor. Notice here that we're, we're not the kind of people that just like, hey, positive thinking and positive talk is what we stand on. Because how many of you know that that's never enough? We don't stand on relationships and friendships. Now, they're important, but come on, how many of you know people will let you down? Whether they intend to or not sometimes. 
Let, let, me, let me just get real personal here with you right off the bat. I know it's only the first of the three points, but let me just get right to it. Hey, how many of you know you don't stand on your pastor? Because inevitably your pastor's going to let you down whether he means to or not. You don't stand on, 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 on your marriage. It's important that you have a supportive spouse and that you, there's a mutual relying on one another and bearing burdens with one another. But at the end of the day, your spouse is going to let you down whether they mean to or not. So what do we stand on? And my friend, we're, we're not called to stand on the fickle, fleeting, and fragile things of life. No, Paul says this. We stand on his strength. And not only his strength, but hear me on this, his might. But I wonder how many of you are not yet convinced of how powerful God truly is. I wonder how many of us continue to live this woe is me life because we serve a weak God. And we haven't fully understood just how mighty he is. I don't know. And maybe you didn't grow up in church, so you might know what I'm about to sing. But I think some of y'all got to go back to some childlike faith and start singing. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my, come on, not do for you. Okay, about a third of you grew up in church. That means, no, no, that means we're effectively reaching a new generation. Come on. What are we leaning on? What are we relying on? Hear me on this. What are we depending on? Uh, we don't just stand on our flesh. We don't just stand on our past experiences. Come on, somebody. We don't just stand on, well, that's what this has educated me to believe. No, no. We stand on all that he is. We stand on who he is. We stand on who we are in him. We stand on all he has done. By the way, I know that for some of you, the season of Lent may look different or, or may feel a little different. Maybe you might be new to it. We're right smack dab in week one of this season of Lent. How many of you here were here for Ash Wednesday? Beautiful, beautiful time together. Um, part of why we are intentionally taking time in this season is to remember what he has done for us. If we can't remember what he has done for us, then we'll have nothing to stand on. Because you've got to rely on the one who's actually shown himself faithful time and time again. We stand on what he has promised. Well, Tony, I don't know what he's promised. Go get a word. I'm, I'm going to tell it to you straight. You don't know what he's promised? Go get a word. Some of you don't have a word from God and you need one to know what he's promised in your life. And now I know I am upsetting some of y'all right now as I say that. And that's okay. But you got to go to that closet and don't come out until you get a word from God. You know what you know what you need a word for? For when the wind and waves come. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You don't need a word for when everything's going fine and dandy. No. That's so good. You're living in it. Yeah. You're loving life. You need a word when things don't look the way you thought they would look. I shared this with you last week when it came to surrender, when my family and I, we uprooted our entire family from a place that I, we called home. I thought I'd die there, okay? Uh, we had planted a church with our best friends. I'm going, this is where we die together. In fact, the church's name was Hope City. We literally, we, we started this hashtag. It was called Hope City Till I Die. I kid you not. That's how intense we were about it. Because uh, in Portland, uh, the Portland Timbers are rip city till I die. And so we were hope city till I die. And, and, and when we uprooted our family and we came here on faith, again, thank God of the beautiful state of Idaho. Not from here, but I got here as quick as I could. It didn't take much convincing because, dear God, thank you, Lord Jesus, for this state. Anyway, uh, and when we get here, things didn't look the way that I thought they would look. And let me actually take it a step further. They didn't look the way I wanted them to look. 
I, I got to be honest with you. I got treated in ways that I've actually never been treated before here straight up. I've, I've gone through a lot in life and I thought I'd kind of seen it all, done it all. Pastor's kid, missionary's kid, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, holy smokes, y'all religious people are weird. I just, I, I just hope I'm offending just some of you that are caught in that. Now, of course, there is true religion, right? The book of James teaches us that there is, right? But you know what I mean, right? And, 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 um, and I didn't need a word for, like, right now, I don't necessarily, like, need a word when, like, this church is thriving and God's moving in your life and doing beautiful things. I needed a word when I was coming under fire. I needed a word when things didn't look the way I want, when I was being mistreated, when I was being talked bad about. I needed a word when I had no friends, where I'm having starting to start from zero. Anybody? Go get yourself a word. You know, um, it's so funny to me how, by the way, if I don't get through my three message, uh, three points today, I'm going to be okay with it. I'm, I'm growing and I'm learning. Um, but a few months ago, we started this thing in our home. Uh, my, and please don't, I'm not trying to paint a, this picturesque, perfect picture, okay, that, that I'm like, I'm growing, I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to become better. And one of the things the Lord really convicted me on in the last year was, hey, uh, you may be a great leader to everybody, how, but how are you leading your family? And through my wife, uh, who has been patiently kind of waiting in a sense and, and pushing me and, and encouraging me to go, hey, like lead us a little more, lead our children. So a few months ago, uh, probably six months ago or so, I changed kind of my entire morning routine to now uh, wake up an hour earlier, get my workout out of the way, and then we now do these th this thing called Devos with Dad. Because I'm still a pastor, so it still has to be D&D, &D, right? Like the Devos with Dad. And, and so, so we do Devos with Dad. We sit around the table um, as Sophia's making breakfast. And, and so I, I go through this devotional book with the kids. And it's been crazy. By the way, uh, if you want to challenge your faith, sit around a table with a bunch of kids and start teaching them the Word of God and, and let them ask questions. Because you know, adults don't want to ask questions sometimes because they don't, they don't want to seem like they don't know. Kids don't care. So then they ask you the hard questions. Like, wait, 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 wait. Like, why would God pick weakling David? But like, wait, wait. If, God, if David, real life question, if David was a man after God's own heart, then why did he cheat on his wife? Uh, <laughs> right? And so th this week, actually speaking of David, we, uh, we, we got to David and Goliath, right? And everybody knows that story. Um, but as I was preparing for this message, this, this story of David just exploded in my heart. Because he had every opportunity to lean on his own understanding. In fact, Saul even tried to get him to lean on his strength by going, hey, take on my armor. Hey, this giant, he's coming after us. And, and, and if you read, by the way, I, I'm kind of paraphrasing because I don't have the time to fully like, go into it, but just write this down, 1 Samuel 17. Go home and, and read 1 Samuel 17 and read the story of David. And, and we all champion the moment where he not only knocks Goliath down with the five smooth stones, but if you really continue to read, he literally saws his head off. Like, can you imagine this little shepherd boy? Right? The forgotten child. The one whose dad goes, hey, um, take McDonald's to your brothers that are out in the war. And like, that's how he's presented with the giant. I don't know if you, have you read your Bible? But like, like he's literally taking his brother's lunch. He's the errand boy for his dad. Hey guys, like, here you go. This big giant. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll slay him. What? <laughs> had, he, had he stood on his own strength, had he stood on Saul's strength by clothing himself with Saul's armor. But no, David says something key. And this is where this message exploded in my heart. And maybe it's just because I, I want to keep reading the word of God as if it's a fresh revelation every time. Um, but he literally looks at the giant and he goes, hey, you come at me and my people with this and that and this and that and that. But you know what I come to you? 
in the name of God. What? Like, this guy's a giant, and he's armored up, and he's got weapons. And this short, little, scrawny, teenage boy who's, like, bringing his brother's McDonald's. Like, he wasn't even chosen to go to war. His brothers were. Hey, how many of you, how many of us, can stare down our enemy and go, you may come at me with your laundry list. But you know, I come to you in the name of God. Number two, when do we stand firm? What do we stand firm on? Number two, when do we stand firm? 12th and 13th verse of Ephesians 6 says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may, here it is, be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. When do we stand firm? I know you guys all know the answer because you all went to Sunday school and you're all good students. And you would say, well, we got to stand firm at all time. Totally. Especially on the evil day. Hey, newsflash, uh, evil days happen. Now, I know I sarcastically said this, and I really don't mean to be that sarcastic. Let me just, there is an enemy, and he is hungry to rob you. He is a wolf in sheep's clothing at times. He is that reasonable voice at times. And he's eager, it says, to devour you is what the word of God says. He's eager to kill, to steal, to destroy. Have you ever stopped to think about this? What robs you of your joy? What tries to steal your own experience you've had with God? Some of you have lessened and kind of like, hey, take it down a notch. Don't be too passionate. Don't be too excited about what God has done because you're just a little much. That's the enemy trying to steal you of an experience you've had with God. Well, you're only ever going to amount to this. That's the enemy limiting you. And I've said this in many sermons before. I'm going to say it to you again because there's a whole new crowd of people here that are not yet tired of the Tony-isms that they hear. And that is this. The enemy cannot see into your future. I don't know if you know this. He is not omnipresent. He is not all-knowing. Only God is. But what does the enemy know? He knows your past. So hear me on this. So if your past was really bad, you'll forever stay there because he's going to remind you of it all the time. If your past was really good, it's as good as it's ever going to get. God goes, I can take a messed up, broken past and redeem it. God goes, I can see an amazing past and go, you still ain't seen nothing yet. That's got to be a word for somebody today. So when do we stand on the evil day? But we've got to know that there is an enemy that comes in like a flood. And there is an evil day that comes when darkness comes. And and can I just share something with you today? Uh, And that is this. It breaks my heart to see people suffering. It really does. And and. And, I, and, and part of being a shepherd is that, like, you hurt with people, okay? And again, if you were here, it's, by the way, this is just beautiful how God keeps tying things, themes in. You cannot miss out on pre-service prayer, by the way, because uh, Lane, our youth director, led us in a beautiful uh, prayer this morning. And, and one of the things that he ended with was, God, give us all a heart for, uh, as shepherds for people. And, and can I tell you, a shepherd aches with people's pain yes. and their suffering. Yes. Um, But you want to know what breaks my heart even worse is seeing people that think they're powerless in the dark day. It breaks my heart to see people suffer. But it breaks my heart even more. And I think God's heart breaks even more when he sees people think they're powerless 
when the enemy comes in like a flood. And you've got to hear this, my friend. You are not powerless. And I'm not talking... Now, notice how this was not my first point. This comes after understanding where our power and our strength comes from, okay? So no, this is not a sermon about making you have a great self-esteem and, and, and look at yourself, you know, like, like you're so strong. No, no, it's Christ in you. Yes. Hope for glory. Yes. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, my friend, there's got to be something that rises up within you that goes, I can withstand because I know who I'm standing on. And I'm not powerless to this temptation. I'm not powerless to this addiction. I'm not powerless to my past. I'm not powerless to my thoughts. I'm not powerless to my feelings. I'm not powerless to my emotions. I'm not powerless to these circumstances. And I know this. I know this all too well. I know what it's like to feel like forever I will have to carry around this ball and chain. But you don't. You don't. You gotta hear this. This is a word for somebody today. It can just be an evil day. It yes. doesn't have to be an evil days, yes. an yeah. evil life, yeah. an evil eternity. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. I think the reason why Jesus taught us to pray is because he knew, almost as if he said it, in this world. <laughs> You will have tribulation. Um, but can we move from being surprised and flabbergasted on the evil day and move into being prepared and ready? You know, we talked about this shepherd boy. Five smooth stones. Hits the giant. Literally cuts his throat off. Best part of the story for me is that I can just watch him just sawing this man's head off. I don't know. It's just something in me. <laughs> Anybody? Like, I know what you watch on Netflix. Oh, oh, oh this is church. I, I only watch Passion of the Christ. <laughs> Did you hear the Chosen's out? Right? Like, come on. I know you'll be watching Saving Private Ryan and loving it. Uh, but but this, this shepherd boy, right, who, who goes from being this weak shepherd boy leans not on his own understanding, not on his own strength, not on anyone else's strength, but the Lord does this, has his victory. He actually, he, he didn't write, by the way, just let me just correct, uh, or, or just maybe not necessarily correct, but just clarify uh, for some of you. He, he didn't write all of the Psalms that are located in the book of Psalms, okay? Multiple writers wrote in the book of Psalms. It's often referred to as just the, the Psalms of David. Some of them are Psalms of David. Some of them are not. Psalm 144 is a Psalm written by David. And look at what he says. He says, blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He was a harp player. That's why he's talking about his fingers, just so you know. He is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I take refuge, who subdues people under me. What was his training? Obedience to his father. Worship to God. Serving his brothers. Being in the presence of God. I want to tell you something today. Nothing that God does in his presence, in the secret place, to train your hands is wasted. Amen. Nothing is wasted in the presence of God. No moment is wasted when you get into the secret place. I've been trying to get you to understand this for six weeks now, and my heart's cry is that you would get it. And you would run to the secret place. You would run into his presence. Because no moment there is wasted. No tear is wasted. No agony is wasted. No forming of who you are is wasted. That is where the training took place, my friend. 
We idolize David as the one that, that beat Goliath and that's beautiful, but it was his training that led him to that. It was a moment in God's presence, my friend, that said, I got something to stand on. My hands are not, are not surprised by the battle. They've been readied for battle. My fingers can, can, can sense this. I've been trained. I've been prepared for this war. So can we move from being flabbergasted and surprised that the evil day is upon us sometimes and move into, I'm prepared for this. Come on, some of y'all got to hear this. You were made for this. The people of God don't run away from the battle. We run into it. I'm almost done. Ephesians 6. Again, uh, just let me read to you what um, Eugene Peterson's The Message kind of condenses this into really modern vernacular for us. And, and there's some things I want to point out. He says this, Ephesians 6, uh, 10 through 18. And that about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. <laughs> just listen to that. So take up everything that the master has set out for you. Well-made weapons of the best materials and put them to use so you'll be able to stand up to everything that the devil throws your way. There is no weekend war that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help that you can get. Every weapon that God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. God's word is an indispensable weapon. It's not if I feel like it. It's an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and your sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. Yes. My third and final question that I want to answer for us today is this. Is who stands firm with us? What are we standing on? When do we stand? And who stands firm with us? Ephesians 6, 18 through 20 says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Then also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. You know who stands with you? The spirit, the saints, and hear me on this and those that God has placed in leadership and pastoral care over your life. Yes. Yeah. For lack of better terms, you are not alone. Yeah. That's right. exactly. Let me clarify. You're not meant to stand alone. Good. Yeah. Good. But can I tell you, who stands with you matters. Yes. I don't know if you caught it. But who stands with you matters. Just because you find 12 other people to freak out with you about something doesn't mean they stand with you or for you. I know I haven't offended you a lot today, so let me offend you. Just because you find 11 other people to trash talk other people like you do, doesn't mean those people are with you and for you. In the Latino culture, my dad would say, just because you find 12 other chismosos. 
Look it up. Cheesemoso. <laughs> Is that okay to joke like that in church? Okay. Just because we find men, just because you find five other buddies to go to happy hour with after work and complain about your wives, doesn't mean those buddies three drinks in are for you or standing with you. Ladies, gotta go after you too. Just because you find three, four, five, well, your ladies, ten other girls. to go have brunch mimosas. And after that picture is long gone, oh girl, me too, mine does that same thing. Doesn't mean they're for you or they're standing with you. Who stands with you matters. And we gotta learn first, please move on from the offense that I'm talking about alcohol as if it didn't exist in this world, okay? We've gotta learn to first stand with the Spirit of God. And go, you wanna know who I lean on and who I know will never leave me or forsake me? I don't know if you get this, but Jesus said, it's good for me to leave. Jesus! He said, it's good for me. How is that good? You're leaving us. He goes, no, I'm sending somebody. And he's never going to leave you. He's with you everywhere you go. See, right now you're limited to my physical presence is what Jesus is trying to explain to his homeboys. Like, hey, guys, I know we've had a great time over the last three years, but like it's better because the one I'm sending is going to go everywhere you go. So so, so who, who stands with me? The spirit of God. And you know what's cool about the Spirit of God is, number one, he's not going to take you to five drinks so you can trash talk your spouse, first of all. He's probably going to just take you to the woodshed and have you get your mind and heart right first. In the gentle way that he does, but, he, but he'll take care of it. And, and there's something to be said about standing with the saints. And now, of course, there's, there's wisdom. There, there's wisdom and understanding. Who do I share what with, right? Uh, one of my mentors said, tell everyone you struggle, tell a few what you struggle with. I get that. There's, there's, there's got to be wisdom in that, right? But, uh, but who I stand with matters. And this is why God promises to place the lonely into family. And now this is a whole other sermon for another time, but I'm out of time. So let me just wrap this up very quickly by saying this. This is why the gathering of the saints is crucial for our life. It shouldn't just be optional. It shouldn't just be something that like when it works, when I don't have anything better going on, whatever. No, no, no. This This is crucial because it's in the gathering of the saints that you will be able to look around and go, I am not alone. And then, and then here's the thing, and, and I'm always careful about how I teach this, but I want to teach this well. There's a reason God places leadership and pastors and shepherds in your life. You got to know, at least here at Legacy, we may not be perfect. We may not always get it right. But one thing I'm confident of is that your shepherds stand with you. And you... You may not know exactly what all that looks like, even behind the scenes, but can I just tell you, as a guy that sees the things behind the scenes, I'll tell you, your shepherds stand with you and for you. You are not meant to live isolated. You are not meant to not live, hear me on this, in the purest, most biblical, soft way I can say this. You're not meant to not live under authority and under spiritual covering. There's protection there. There's safety there. And so for some of you, you got to hear this. Maybe you just got to let some people in. Maybe for some of you, you got to hear this today. You, you actually can't stand on your own. The reason you've got some weak legs 
and some weak knees is because they're actually fatigued from standing on your own. And God's going, I've got a cloud of witnesses. I got loving shepherds. I've got my spirit who stands with you. I have to say this. And look at me, look at me for a second. I'm really sorry that people that you've trusted to stand with you haven't done so when you mostly needed it. Welcome to humanity. But please don't let that be a deterrent. See, these are the moments that it's hard to preach because you're preaching to yourself first. Man, it's much different when you write this down and you go, man, this is going to be a banger. And then God's like, <laughs> don't, let, don't let other people's mistakes dictate the rest of how you relate with others. It's going to be risky. Risking it again. Yep. but you're not meant to be alone and take it from the guy that's doing all he can to not lose it up here while he says this. It's exhausting trying to do it on your own. And it leads you nowhere and it will leave you irritable. It will leave you angry. It will leave you bitter. It will leave you lonely. And then if you're anything like Tony, you end up feeling sorry for yourself about it. I'm sorry about that, guys. I, that was not. I, I just believe, can we just have a moment? Maybe, maybe it's, I don't want to be selfish. Maybe it's for me, but can we just have a moment where God just comes in and just heals whatever areas of our life he needs to? Is that okay? Can we just not have like a perfectly wrapped up service? Okay. Come on, let's just let the Spirit of God, would you close your eyes? Would you just let God just... If there's been hurt there, if there's fear there, if there's doubt there, come on, let's just give that over to the Lord. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're like me and you need to like take all three points and go, well, I got to repent from point number one because I've been standing on my own strength. (laughs) Number two, I got to ask for forgiveness because I kind of didn't want to stand firm. I kind of wanted to just give up on the evil day. Or maybe I wanted to shift blame or I want, I, I don't know. And maybe there's just got to be some healing in your heart about leaders that have let you down. Maybe you're like, Tony, that's great that the spirit is there. And and I'm actually cool with people. But like, man, you say leaders and pastors. Maybe maybe today's your day of like me where you you go, God, I'm going to give that over to you. Find some healing in it. So, God, if we need to repent right now, we take a moment to repent. We say sorry for trying to lean on our own understanding and rely on our own strength, put on our own armor, the armor we've designed, or maybe put on the armor other people have tried to put on us. And we want to we wanna stand firm on who you are and what you've done, and your promises, and your faithfulness, your word. Help us not be surprised, God, when the evil day comes. Help us be ready. It's, a, it's in the good moments where we've got to be prepared, where we've got to, we got to be in that preparation mode so that when the evil day comes, God, we're, we're not thrown off, but our hands are ready and able for war. And God, if there's anyone in this room like me, God, that just needs a healing touch from you, I, I believe you can do that in just one moment of your presence. Maybe a couple tears shed can be healing. For others, maybe it's just giving that over to you. I just pray, Lord, that we've got to forgive some people. Help us to forgive some people. If we've been holding other people based on the mistakes of others and we're not letting them in, maybe we've got leaders in our lives that just mean well, but they didn't, they missed the mark. Or maybe just straight up 
leaders that just didn't do a good job, and so they've hurt us, they've wounded us. I, I pray today, Lord, that you would come and heal some hearts and help us be the kind of people that don't buy into the scheme of the enemy because the scheme of the enemy is to isolate us and to keep us hard-hearted and to keep us walled up. But God, we, we, we don't want that. We want your way of doing things. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is what we're gonna do. If you need prayer for anything today, um, take some time to leave your seat and head over to the cross back there. If you wanna learn about what it means to walk with Jesus, maybe you've never given your life over to him and um, you wanna know what that looks like, you can head over to the cross. There's people there trained that are willing and able to pray with you, answer your questions. Um, maybe you've put your faith in Jesus before and you've walked away and now you want to come back, head over to the cross. Um, there's communion tables up front and, and in the back and I think this is a really beautiful moment for us to go, God, thank you for sending your son. Uh, thank you for, for his death, burial and resurrection and just take a moment of remembrance and, and gratitude as we partake of the broken body and his blood. If there's anything you've got to give over to God, if there's anything that you've got to go, okay, God, I, I'm just handing this back to you and having you take care of it. Do that. So I'm going to give you a few minutes to respond together, have moments of reflection. I'll be back up to dismiss us here in a little bit. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com, or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.